listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. To prepare you for transition. I've never done this before. This is my first time. But for what I hear and what I've heard and how other people do it, I believe that God is being honored because my goal is to really nurture and protect your hearts in this transitional process. I care about you guys. And I want this church to succeed. I want you to succeed. Therefore, I wanted to end well and protect you guys in this transition. With that being said, I said, Lord, what should I share on today? And quite frankly, it was easy. Change. That's that's the message, change. And underneath of it, I put the transition. Change. And then more specifically, the transition. I want to tell you today that it's not change that people hate. It's the transition. Let me say that again for those of y'all that's a little slow. It's not, it's not the change that people hate. It's the process. It's the transition of reaching the destination called change. Think about it. When you get a new phone, you happy to get the new phone, right? But you don't like it because the transition in learning the new phone is difficult. Or how about when you go and you buy a new computer, you take weeks to research to find the one you want. If you're tight like me and you're OCD like me, you're, you're checking RAM versus ROM and, and you want to know what is it? Is it, a, is it a solid disk drive? Does it have a spinning disk drive? Uh, what is its capacity? How does it work? And then, and then you're weighing all these options. Do I get the first generation or refurbished third generation? What, what are the things? And then you are so excited you finally buy the machine or the computer that you want only to be overwhelmed with weeks of frustration because you have to get other information on the new computer learn a new system and at the end you're excited for the change right but the transition stinks how about you that have a job and 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 you're working a system at work whether it's a computer system Maybe it's a process. Maybe they came in and brought new management or some other corporation bought the new little corporation and now they're coming and implementing new strategy and now all of a sudden you're hit with change. Well, we know the end result of the change is going to be good because if they're bringing a new system in, it means that it's probably more efficient and it's going to be more effective and we're going to all together make more money, create more revenue and make everybody's job easier. The problem is, is learning the system. See, change isn't the problem. It's the transition. How about buying a house? We're so excited to buy the home, but you ain't excited when you get the U-Haul. Right? If you like moving, you need to be on psych meds. If you're already on them, you need to up your dose. 
No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. I believe in deliverance, but that's another story. Okay. I probably shouldn't have said that, but it's my last week. I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm just mad. Sorry. That one, too soon. Virginia, was that too soon? Too soon? Okay, that was too soon. The end result of change is usually great, but it's the transition to getting there that usually most of us hate. Would you all agree? The transition's not easy. Think about it. Think about Jacob. Jacob was a man that was named the supplanter. Supplanter means that he used his own strength and wisdom to manipulate a system or a people to get what he wants. He used deception. He used his own power, his own wittiness to get what he wanted. And the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with God and he wrestled with men. Wrestled with himself. But one day, Jacob wrestled with God, and and God and him wrestling. Then at the end, God says, I'm going to change your name from Jacob, which means supplanter, deceiver, one who manipulates to get his way, and you're now going to be called Israel. You're going to be the founder of the king of Israel, and all nations will be blessed through you. And in that moment, he was changed. But what I want you to see real quick is even though he was changed in a moment with God from Israel to Jacob, he wrestled for years in transition. I could tell you about Abraham. Abram was his name at first and he wrestled to do the right thing, to believe in God. And after years of not seeing what God told him was going to come, he decided to try to make it happen himself and he failed during transition. I could tell you about Hadassah who later became named Esther. She had to lose her parents while she was in exile in a foreign country that wasn't her own, be adopted by her cousin named Mordecai, and the end result would she would be the queen of Persia. But can I tell you the transition was hard. I want someone to know today that when God gets you to your Esther or to your Jacob or to your Abraham, you need to go through Abram and through Jacob and through Hadassah's. Because the transitional period to get to the change is not going to be easy. But most of us decide to give up during transition. Therefore, we can't see the change. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody and I ain't even started yet. I could use a practical example and tell you about Twin Rivers. It was a mass exodus, according to people I've spoken to over there. And people left because Joe was coming to be the pastor and Joe don't preach like Pastor B. And after the mass exodus, a couple years went by and then there was a return of the exodus. Because the people came back because they realized they shouldn't have left to begin with. I want you to see that the people who left, left because they couldn't deal with the transition. But after the change, they came back. I want you to know that not only does God want to change this ministry, there's some things in you that he wants to change, but I want to remind you, don't get weary Oh, I'm talking to somebody today in the transition. There's a season in your life 
where you're kind of like stuck between where you were and where you're trying to go and you're not there yet and I just want to say you just need to hold on because you're transitioning we all want the change we all want a better marriage but we don't want marriage counseling we all want a better job but we don't want to work any hours we all want to get a better high-paying job, but we don't want to go back to school because it takes too much time. See, we want the change, but we don't like the transition. The end result of each of them, Abraham, Jacob, and Esther, was that they all loved what they became. But I'm not sure none of them enjoyed the transition. I need you to hear this today. The transition to become what God has for us is uncomfortable and often it's going to hurt us, but we need to stay the course. The Bible warns us about not being double-minded. Double-minded is when you say God called you to something, but when things begin to transition, you leave. That's double-mindedness. That means that you say that God called you, but then quickly you leave. If you abort or leave or change the destination or route that you said God had you on, then I want you to know that most likely it's because you're scared of the transition. If God called you, you say, oh, God called me to Diverse City. He didn't call you to Ray. He called you to Diverse City. Well, you got a powerful ministry. I know you have a powerful ministry. I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. But if God called you to a place, then God has a purpose. And it may be that you need to be here for the transition. That it can become the change that God is transitioning it to. We need to not run from transition, guys. I know so many people who are fighting the good fight, working so hard to get to where they believe God was calling them, but they continue to stop short because the transition was too hard. That's why only few people make it. And I'm not talking about heaven, I'm talking about success. Today, I'd like to talk to you more specifically in this idea or concept of change and transition. I want to talk to you about the transition of leadership. Leadership. I'd like us to look at the story of Moses and how he handed over his responsibility to Joshua. When I, when I think about this story, really in many ways I can firsthand have um, the, the experience and the relatability between Joshua and Moses and Pastor James and I. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, reading verse 1, it says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to the Mount, to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which was across from Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying I will give it to your descendants. I have caused 
you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Then it says in verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for both for Moses had laid his hands on him. I, I want to talk to you for a little bit about the transition of leadership. I want you to see that Moses, the Bible says that there was never another Moses or prophet that had the relationship with God the way Moses did. It says that Moses spoke to God face to face and did miracles for God like no other prophet ever did. I want you to know that Moses had some real big shoes to fill. It doesn't say that Joshua was as anointed or did miracles as or spoke face to face like Moses. But yet Joshua was able to take Israel further than Moses could. I want to talk to you today about the transferring of leadership. Here we are in a story where Moses is born roughly around 1400 B.C. He's called to be the leader of Israel, bringing deliverance to a nation that had been enslaved by Egypt. He goes to Pharaoh 10 different times, performing 10 different plagues. The last plague being the Passover, which was just celebrated this past weekend By the way, yesterday, a gunman went into a California synagogue killing people during the Passover. A woman got stood in the way and took the bullet for the rabbi. That was yesterday. Told you about last week's incident. But going on, I want you to know that after these ten plagues that were performed and Moses did all these glorious signs and wonders... By the power of God, he was a vessel that stood in the gap. Then he led the people of Israel out of Egypt, promised to get to the wilderness, into the, excuse me, into the promised land, only to get to the wilderness, not reach their final destination. And now Moses, on top of the mountain, looking out, it says that Moses saw the promise. I need y'all to get this. Moses saw the promise, but did not go in. There's a few things that I looked through this text and found out. Number one is vision should be bigger than me. Vision should be bigger than you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 34 and 4. It says, Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give Abraham in 2100 B.C., Isaac around 2900 B.C., and then Jacob around 1800 B.C., and then Roughly four, five hundred years later, in 1400 B.C., I then gave you the same promise. 
I want you to see for a moment that it says here that the promise, it says the Lord said to him, him being Moses, this is the land which I swore to you and to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob saying that I will give it to your descendants. I want you to see something. Moses stood from afar and looked into the promised land, but he never made it. Y'all with me? Okay, it is unfortunate that Moses was able to look out and see it, but never make it, right? But here's the thing. Abraham didn't see it. Isaac didn't see it. Jacob didn't see it. None of them got it. Yes, they passed through it. Yes, they gazed upon it. But they never experienced the promise of it. Why is that? Because the vision... That Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, and Moses had was bigger than all of them put together. I believe too many times we've got visions that's only as big as us and our own families. If your vision is all about you and what you can get and you can obtain, I'm going to say I don't even know if God's even in it. Because the things that God's trying to do is bigger than you. Oh, I just want to have a big business and have a bunch of money and save it up and pass it on down to my kids. Where's God fit in that? You know, it's kind of scary to think about this, but, but, but I want you to know real quick again that vision should be bigger than you and I. So big that Abraham didn't experience it. Isaac didn't get there, Jacob didn't get there, Moses didn't get there, but thanks be to God, Joshua got there. The second point I want you to see is that Moses saw the promise, but he did not experience it. So the first point, again, was the vision should be bigger than you and I. But the second thing is he saw the promise. He saw the land. He saw Canaan, but he did not experience it. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 34 again, verse 4. It says, I have caused you to see it. Y'all see that? I've caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. It says, says, look, Moses, I'm going to let you see it with your eyes, but you will not experience it. Moses played a part in this big vision, but Moses did not see the vision fulfilled. Now, this is contrary to everything America teaches us. Think about it. How many of you all are going to start a work that you'll never see complete? I can tell you about people who start a work and when they don't see the fruit in a couple years, better yet a couple months, they're done. Moses gave 40 years and never saw it. Never saw it. He wasn't fortunate like Joshua and Caleb that endured 40 years and eventually got it. Moses never saw it. Somebody needs to get this. Because our world tells us, oh, you just shoot for the stars and and the sky is the limit. Whatever you think of, you can have. What about if you don't? Well, I'm going to probably do something else because that's going to take too long. I need to see the fruit of my labor. That's not biblical. 
There is many great men and women of God that came before us that worked and labored their entire life and never seen the vision come completely to pass. And that's okay because it's not about me. It's the generation after me. We live in such a self-absorbed generation that we're willing to compromise and do things that aren't right now because we'll be dead and gone by then. It doesn't matter if you're dead and gone. How about your grandbabies and your great-grandbabies? How about those coming after us? But we live such in the moment that if we can't see, touch, and feel and experience all that God has for us, We can't stay with it. Just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses played a part of the vision, but none of them saw the vision fulfilled. None of them. That's, think of it, 2100 was Abraham. 2100. And then you go forward to 1450. Then the passing of leadership happened for Moses around 14, 30, 40, 20, somewhere around there. So you go from 2100 to 1400, and none of them saw the vision fulfilled, but every one of them kept pursuing God. Can I tell you that God initiated the promise of Canaan to Abraham in 2100, but yet he continued to reiterate it year after year, generation after generation, and continued to push it forward, and they were sold on what God was doing regardless if they ever got there. There are some things in life that we may be part of, but we will never experience the fulfillment of it. Some of you have believed God for great things to happen in your family and you're just praying for it to happen. God showed it to you. Praise God showed it to you. That means it's coming to you and hopefully you're gonna see it come. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. It's not about you seeing it. It's about your babies getting saved. Right? I just, I just want you to do something, Lord. We're not gonna be able to experience everything that God's put in us. When I came to this church in 2009, it was actually December 08, but I say 09 just because it was two weeks before the new year. Um, This church just a couple weeks before had eight people. They prayed and cried and wept and knew that the building was going to be just closed and and, and everything was going to be foreclosed on. They were months and months behind on all of their bills. They said, Lord, where in the world are we going to go from here? They were broken. They were distraught. And my wife and I came here and believed God that this was going to be a mega ministry. Right? And, and, And here's the thing. I know that God's going to make this a mega ministry. Here's what I didn't know. That I wouldn't see it. I need somebody to get this. God brought me here to start a mega ministry and I thought I was going to see it. And God says, I took you up to the mountain and you can look afar, but you will not be the one to experience it. You're not going to be the one to taste it. You're not going to be the one to feel it. I've got someone else that I'm raising up that's going to take it further than where it's at now. I just knew, I knew that this ministry was going to blow up. But what I was wrong about is I thought it was going to be under me. And God says, no, you'll see it, but you won't experience it. I need you to know that there are some things in your life that God has deposited in you, 
and you got to keep praying for and believing for and trusting God for. But even if you don't see it, it's okay because you know that God's faithful and one day someone will. Let me give you an example about how some things in life you're going to be a part of, but you may never experience the fulfillment. I could tell you about Dr. Martin Luther King who saw a nation that offered same rights to both black and whites, but he never experienced it. Aren't you thankful that he was willing to fight even though he never experienced it? I can tell you about people in this church that prayed and cried and wept because they were broken by the racism and the people in the church that were racist. And this was a white church with no blacks in it, and they didn't want any in it. Wasn't that right, Papa John? I don't know where he is, but I'm telling there you, okay. They didn't want them. And, and when I got here, I said, I don't care if you want them or not. If I'm here, we're going to get them. We're going to have blacks, we're going to have whites, we're going to have Asians. Now look, I thought it would be more one, but whatever. Archie, we're glad you're here. Hispanics, you know, and, and, and we just believe God. And, and, and you know what? There was a small core group of people that believed beyond the resistance and said, we believe that God's going to do something here. And there were some people that never got to see it. But look at it now. When God calls us to something, we have to remember the call is not about us. It's about the call. Let me me say that again. The call is not about us. It's about the call. It's not about experiencing it. It's not about enjoying the pleasures of it. It's not about getting accolades and pats on the back because of it. It's about changing a generation. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. It doesn't matter who's in leadership. It doesn't matter who gets the pat on the back. All that matters is drug addicts are set free. Prostitutes are delivered. People who are broken are restored. And whoever's in charge, it doesn't matter. With that being said, we work for the call, but even if we don't see the finished product, we're going to keep working anyway because it's not about us. It's important that we are willing to work even if we don't get the benefits of our labor. The next thing I want you to see is transition hurts. Transition hurts but has purpose. Transition hurts. Now, now remember, change is good. The end result's going to be good, but it hurts right now. That's okay. It hurts. The thing is, is don't run in your hurt. Don't make rash decisions in your hurt. Don't make things that you'll regret later in your hurt. You stay the course, wait till your emotions balance out and you're thinking accurately in the spirit and in the mind of Christ. Don't think in your hurt. So what do I do in a transitional period, pastor? You keep doing what you did before. 
So you're telling me that I just keep doing what I did before even though I don't feel like it? Yep, don't change. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to abuse you, use you, take advantage of you, and come in while you're vulnerable and hurt and get you completely out of what God's trying to do. If there's ever a time that you need to be committed to God in the church then more than ever before, it is right now. Next Saturday night, you're, you're going to be thinking, well, I don't know if I need to go to church tomorrow morning. Pastor Ray ain't there anyway. I mean, you know, I mean, it was really mad. I mean, he was my pastor, you know what I'm saying? He did, I mean, it was because of him, and he did it all. I mean, he was, well, you know, he said, so good. I mean, him and Sister Lorraine, they're here. They meant so much to me. I think I'm just going to stay home today. I'll catch it on Facebook Live. <laughs> and I want to tell you right now, if you do that, I'm being honest. If you do it, there's only two spirits that you can operate in. The spirit of God and the spirit of devils. If, if, if you feel led to stay home and give it a few weeks, it's not of God. God has not ever called his people to be double-minded. He has called you to be stable, not fickle. He's called you to be balanced, not crazy. He's called you to be sound-minded, not schizophrenic. He's called you to be sober, not bipolar. And I don't know who you are on Saturday night or Sunday morning that's going to say, I'm going to put it off for a week or two. I want to challenge you. The church needs you next Sunday more than it needed you this Sunday. Next week, Pastor James, he's kind of embarrassing me. He says, what's your series going to be when you get to the new church? I says, I don't know, Pastor James. What's yours? He says, well, I got a six-week series planned called Uncomfortable. And... Ooh. First, I'm going to do Gideon. Then I'm going to do this one. Then I'm going to do this one. I'm going to talk about this here and this here. He says, what you preaching about? I said, brother, I, don't, I, I, don't, I still don't have a clue. I hope Gateway ain't seeing this, the other church. But uh, all that to say, he has been thinking and planning and strategizing for next Sunday's service, and he's got a great series on being uncomfortable and how God blesses, and he's going to look at specific people in the word who were uncomfortable, and in that uncomfortable, in that transitional period, but through their commitment to staying the course, what God birthed out of it. And I want to challenge you to be here, okay? You can't get Facebook Live. The anointing on Facebook is different from the anointing when you're in the house. <clears throat> Please. If you believe in this powerful worship, this diversity, the mission, the heart, and what's happening at this church, don't allow anything to stop you from being in the house, okay? Transition hurts. It hurts, but it has purpose. Look, Joshua 1 and 1, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So God spoke to Moses' assistant and said to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh-oh, that hurts. 
the one that you have been following, your mentor, your spiritual father, your leader, your boss, he's dead. It hurts. But look what it says next. Now therefore arise. And the next word says, and go. The only reason that Joshua was given the instructions to rise and go was because Moses died. I need somebody to get this. There are some things in your life that God has done killed, but you keep trying to hold on to and resurrect, and God is saying, I killed them that I could move you forward, and you're trying to hold on to stuff that I've killed that I could launch you forward in the ministry. And the same is with this church. Ray had to get out the way that the vision that Ray saw could be fulfilled. I just need you to understand that Joshua could not have arisen to the occasion and been sent out to do what he needed to do and become the leader that God called him until another leader died. That's why Ecclesiastes says there's a time for life and a time for death. There's a time for everything that happens, and we can't explain it, but I want you to know that everything that happens, God's doing it for a reason. It's strategic, and things rise out of death. Things are healed out of brokenness. Things are revived out of turmoil, and I know you can't get it right now. But if you hold on through the transition, you are going to see God do things that you never believed possible. Don't make a decision in transition. Stay the course. The next thing I want you to see is the anointing was transferred. Now, now, if you think about this, look at Deuteronomy chapter 34 and 9. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the Spirit. I've just got two more points. Uh, the jo- Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the Spirit of wisdom. Okay, so you see that, right? He was full of what? The Spirit of what? Okay, wisdom. But look what it says. It says that he received it because Moses laid his hands on him. The reason... That he became anointed with wisdom to lead the people is because God anointed him with the leadership and anointing that was on Moses for now Joshua to do what Moses did. And can I go a step further? And even better. It's important that you see this, and I told Pastor James this yesterday as we met. I said, Pastor James, there's going to be something that happens in you, and you may not even see it, but you're going to begin to experience it, and I hope that people can get behind it. And I said, there's going to be an anointing that shifts in you. I said, you're going to go from an executive anointing to a senior pastor anointing because God graces us and anoints us for the position he's called us to. He's not going to give you the anointing that you're not needing at that moment. That's why, that is why in moments of like of great despair, right, you're looking at someone's life and it's jacked up and someone just died, they're miserable, they're broken, and you as an outsider look and you say, wow, how are are you getting through this if that was me 
I'd fall apart, right? And then fast forward a couple years, and you're going through it. And you don't even, I mean, it hurts. And then you fast forward a few months later, a few years later, and you look back, and you say, wow, how did I get through that divorce? How did I get through that death? How did I get through that betrayal, man, and hurt? And, and you can't understand it. Let me tell you how. Because the Lord graces you with an extra measure of grace and faith, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in that moment that you can get through whatever it is you're going through. That's why one of the gifts is the gift of faith. The gift of faith is different than faith. God gives you an extra measure for the appointment that you're in. I want you to know the Pastor James that you see next Sunday is not going to be the one you saw last Sunday. Because he was operating under a different anointing. See, you all can't see that because when I came here, I was operating under a different anointing. I came as an executive pastor here, and then God began to transition me into a different anointing. Here's what you guys call it, growing up. But the Bible calls it Moses laying hands on Joshua. I really believe with all of my heart, when I stood here and Lorinda and I prayed over Aldine and James, I really believe that there was an anointing that was transferred to you, and you guys are going to lead. You're going to surprise yourself the way you lead. They're going to they're gonna be, they're going to surprise themselves. You're going to be like, man, I don't know what's going on. What, what happened? I mean, he's preaching like he never preached before. He's, he's communicating the way he is. What's happening? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. There's a transfer. And I want you to know there's a transferring of the anointing that has taken place today. Amen. Not only does it say that he laid hands on him and he received that anointing, that wisdom, that power, but in Joshua 1 and 3, it says that every place the sole of your foot will tread, talking to Joshua, I have given you. But look what it says, as I said to Moses. So he's saying the same thing that I promised Moses because of the anointing, because of the transfer, because it's now you in charge, I'm going to do to you everything I did for him. Y'all see that? Uh, that's not enough. Let me give you one more. Joshua chapter 1 and 5. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I am with you. I need you to see something today. There is an anointing that is being transferred in the house today. And you, I know you don't, there's no way it's a different anointing. It's a different ministry. He's not going to be able to connect with me like Pastor Ray connected with me. That is not of God. It is not a man. It is the anointing of God that breaks the yoke and captivity of people who are bound. And Jesus is going to do something. He's going to blow. Your mind, I promise you. Don't be one of the ones who said, I left for a while because I didn't believe it and I decided to come back. Stick it out and say, I was one of those ones that it got rough in the transition, but I knew God was up to something. Joshua experienced this is the last point. Joshua experienced what only Moses saw. 
But all right, let, let me go back and give you these points real quick because I've been preaching so much, I think you forgot all the points. The first point is this. Vision should be bigger than you. Make it personal. Vision should be bigger than me. Number two, Moses saw the promise but did not experience it. Moses saw it, but he did not experience it. Number three, transition hurts, but it has purpose. Point number four, the anointing was transferred. And number five, Joshua experienced what only Moses saw. I really believe with all of my heart that what I saw in the spirit Pastor James and Aldine will experience in the reality. I believe that. And I would be so happy if that happened. I'm so secure in myself that if it blew up next week and there was 500 people in this church, that I wouldn't be like, oh, what did I do wrong? I would rejoice because of all that God's doing right. Sharon, you know the vision you had, Miss Sharon? Just because I'm gone don't mean it's done. That vision was for the church, not me. Now, you gave me, you had the words about me, but you also had words about the church. And that's not done. I, and many of you all have, have believed and sensed that God, oh, God's doing something. I can feel it. I can sense it. So what makes you doubt now because I'm leaving? Y'all hear me? If God was up to something a month ago, why wouldn't he be up to something during the transition? Matter of fact, I think he's so up to something that he brought the transition. It says in Joshua 1 and 6, kind of helping me with my last point about Joshua experiencing, but only Moses seeing, was it says that Joshua, in verse 6 of chapter 1, it says that Joshua shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore, talking about God, to give to your fathers. So when they got to the land of Canaan, Joshua was to be the one that divided up the land into 12 territories, 13 to be exact, no, Levites and the other 12, okay, 12 territories. And then upon the, the dividing up of these territories and um, giving them all of their places to live, then by tribes they would be divided up. Moses wasn't given these instructions. You know why? Because he wasn't going to go in. The only one given the instructions about how to divide up the land was Joshua because Joshua was the only one that got to go in. But here's the thing that's crazy. This, this is the craziest part, guys. I need you to get this. Don't leave me yet. I know you're know a little bit ADD. You want to go. Well, hold on. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, it might be a few months before I preach here. Um, what year did Abraham get the word from the Lord about the land of Canaan? Does anybody remember? 2100 BC. Okay? Then he had a son named 
Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Then you had Joseph, 400 years of slavery. Finally became Moses. So you go from 2100. Fast forward nearly 1,000 years to 1400 B.C. to Moses, right? The Bible says that Moses was the greatest prophet that ever lived at that time. Greatest prophet. No one saw God face to face like Moses. No one did miracles like Moses. Moses was an amazing man. Abraham is the father of the faith. Isaac is the promised son, and Jacob is the king of Israel. And none of them experienced what Joshua did. I need somebody to get this. Abraham was the father of the people, the father of all nations, the original promised one to bring forth the son Jesus. Then you have Isaac, the promised son. Then you have Jacob, the one who birthed 12, later named Israel, the father of the nation of Israel. Then you have Moses, the most popular prophet of all times, who did all kinds of crazy radical miracles, and none of them saw the promise. It was little old Joshua. Joshua. What's Joshua known for? Joshua is known for inheriting the blessing that other people worked for. Oh, I need somebody to get this right now. You, you, you need to get this in you. Because what I really feel like the Lord was trying to show me about Joshua was that how, how the apostle Paul said that he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Well, what he was saying is, hey, you know what? Some plant seeds and, and other, other people are going to water. But essentially, it's up to God as to when harvest time comes and what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. And all I'm going to do is play my part in the big picture and leave the rest up to God to figure out. And I say that because you may be an Abraham, but you'll never experience the Joshua. Oh, my God. Or you may be a young boy, Joshua, tattooed up, piercings, called a, 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 a heathen. You, you can't love Jesus because, because you don't even look like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But because of the anointing of God and the grace of Jesus Christ, he will take you into a land that you did not sow in and allow you to reap a harvest that you did not produce or you did not cultivate because the God that we serve is different than anything I've ever wrapped my head around. That's why Jesus said to the disciples after meeting the woman at the well, the woman left, she preached the gospel to them and said, we met Jesus. I met the Messiah. He's up at the water. He's up at the well. And the people started to come and Jesus said to the disciples, I sent you to reap that which you have not labored. He says, I have sent you to reap what you have not labored. Others have labored. Others. Y'all see that word? Others. Others have labored. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses. Others have labored, but yet you enter into their labor. 
I can tell you about the pastors who labored at this church before me. I can tell you about the people who prayed for this ministry and that things would take off. And, and, and you know, the reality is, 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 is I got to experience some of the blessings of other people, people's labor that came before me. In our mind, we say, oh, well, you know what? Pastor Ray, I mean, he's just a little bit better than Pastor James because, I mean, Pastor, I mean think about Pastor Ray. He came when there was eight people. And, 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 and he got them up and solid and things are good. And, I mean, yeah, Pastor Ray, Pastor James took us to 2,000, but, I mean, who can't do that? He started out with 250. I mean, but Pastor Ray and Lorenda, they came when there was eight people, right? And, and that's, that's what we do in our minds, right? Right? Well, of course, I mean, of course, I mean, you're doing good. You took over a church or a ministry, a business. Oh, I mean, that's all up and running. I mean, I really give credit to people who start off at the bottom and work their way up. But when you look in the Bible, boy, I'd rather be Joshua than Abraham any day of the week. Oh, I, I, look, hey, shoot. give me a land that's already been seeded, cultivated, watered, and the harvest is ready, and I'll go in, and I'll labor, and I'll work, and I'm going to reap what someone else has sown. I want you to know today, family of God, that the Word of God says that Jesus told his disciples that you will reap where you have not labored. What that means is you don't deserve the reap. You don't deserve the harvest. You don't deserve the blessings. You don't deserve the increase. But God is giving you an increase because seeds have been sown and planted over the years. And I believe that I, my wife, and this team have sown seed for the last 10 years in the last 85 years of this church. I believe that the founding people of this church 85 years ago, that we are still reaping their harvest now. 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 We can reap a harvest now. I know I'm not as good as Father Abraham. I know that I'm not submitted to the promise because I wrestled like Jacob. I know that I haven't been through the fire like Moses. I know that I can't relate to Isaac. I know that I don't have the education. I ain't been sanctified as long. I ain't been Holy Ghost filled as long. I ain't been speaking his tongues as long. I didn't grow up in church. My name ain't Deacon, Reverend, Pastor, bishop but what I do know is I'm a hungry Joshua and I'm ready to do whatever God has for me and I, I'm gonna just stay the course Lord I just want to do whatever it is you want me to do and if you can begin to get this today it doesn't matter how long you've been saved how long you've been in church who you served on oh well I'm under the bishop so-and-so anointing oh my covering is this I don't care what covering you got what church you go to how long you've been in the building I'm reaping where I did not sow. I'm claiming what is mine. I'm walking in victory because the Lord said it in his word that wherever I tread my feet, I'm going to take it because God's got a plan for my life and I walk in the authority of God. Father, I want you to have your way in this ministry. I want you to have your way in this ministry. I know the enemy is going to try so hard. He's been doing it. 
Sharon knows it. Aaron knows it. My wife knows it. Aldine knows it. Pastor James knows it. The enemy's been trying already. He's not happy. Churches usually go pastorless. The church I'm going to had no pastor for nearly three months. Their tithes have went to half. They're barely staying afloat. The enemy loves it when churches are broken because of leadership change. And I tell you what, the enemy is mad. He's mad because we're still healthy in the transition. And, and, and the enemy is going to try real hard this week to put a hiccup or a stumbling block or a hurdle in your path to make you second guess or doubt. And I just stand and declare right now, I, I rebuke the spirit of confusion in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of deception in the name of Jesus. I curse every lying spirit that says no one will do it like pastor in the name of Jesus. I rebuke rebellion in the name of Jesus. I come against those that are coming against the church in the name of Jesus. And I declare that this ministry will blow up. That this ministry will excel. That this ministry will catch a fire. And that there will be great revival. In the name of Jesus. Can you help me close? We come against it, Lord. We come against it, Lord. I come against it. We stand against it. Hey, look, the evidence, look, the evidence was outside today. The evidence was outside. Thank you. Thank you, God. The evidence was outside. The enemy is striking, but God has already been working. Hallelujah. God, have your way. God, have your way in this ministry. Have your way in this leadership team. Have your way, Lord, that the foundation that's been laid will continue to be built upon. God's raising people up. I believe there's people who's been sitting on the sidelines. They've been sitting on the pew. And then God today, God saying, this is your time. God needs you. You have a place here. This ministry is not about Ray. It's about you being a part. And he's raising you up today. I pray a kingdom impact. I pray that you will be a participator and not a spectator. You'll be an army and not an audience. You'll play a part in what God is doing in the name of Jesus. I feel, I, I feel the Lord is working. I don't want to miss what he's doing today. Look, I want you to be honest. I, I need you to be so honest. I'm going to make the hardest altar call first. I'm going to make the hardest one first. If you say, please, please be honest with me. Please be honest with God. Please. If you say, Pastor Ray, you have impacted my life significantly. Pastor Lorinda, you and your husband, 
I owe you so much. And I, 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 I got to be honest, I've doubted what it'll be moving forward and I've considered not coming back and, and, and I doubt will it ever be as good if you, if you can relate to any of that I, I second guessed coming back I doubted and asked if it could ever be as good I need you right here I need you right here. Don't, 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 don't be embarrassed. I need you. This ministry, if you're saying this ministry, I know my pastor, and he's saying this ministry is bigger than him. I need you here. I need you here. I need you here. Thank you. Look at all these honest people. Thank you so much. Thank you for believing in me. This is a sign that you believe in me, and I thank you. You believe in my wife. But I'm telling you, 10 years ago, I came to this church, and I was just as immature and unable to lead people, but God saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. The preacher I am today, the pastor I am today, I was not when I came here in 2009. Do y'all hear me? And you have to extend a little bit of grace and a little bit of mercy and go hand in hand with Pastor James and Pastor Aldine because they need you. Do y'all hear me? They need you. This city needs this church. Do y'all hear me? This city needs this church. Now to everybody else, if you say, Pastor, transition's hard for me and I just, I'm known to run. I'm known to run. I need you here. I need you here. I need you here. If you're a runner, I need you here. If, if feelings get hot, things get heated, and, and you, just, you just know to go, I need you here. I need you here. If this message was for you, I need you here. If God spoke to you, I need you here. Please, please, don't, don't wait. This, this is a moment. Don't miss this moment. If God is ministering to you, we're not talking about the church, okay? God, you are in a transition yourself with life. And things are different than they used to be. I need you here. Don't miss this. Father, we need you. Last but not least, anyone who says, Pastor Ray, I'm going to stick this out. I'm not going to leave because I'm scared. I'm not going to leave because I love you. I'm not going to because, leave because they can't do it as good as you. I'm going to stick this out. This is my church. This is the heart and ministry and mission that I want to be a part of. And I'm going to help bring revival here to this church. Because I love the people and I love what God is doing. And I'm going to stick to it. If I leave, it'll be in, in months and years later because God said leave and not because my emotions said leave. If that's you, can you stand up where you are? If you're willing to stick this out, I need you to stand up. I need you to stand up. Stand up. All, everybody who said, I'm going to stick this out, thank you. I'm going to stick this out. Thank you. I'm going to stick this out. Thank you all. Thank you. Now I need you to grab somebody's hand beside you. And we need to pray as a community together. Blacks, whites, young, seniored, rich, poor, 
in the middle, educated, Republicans, Democrats, all people, all walks of life who are shaming the devil together, saying we will make it through this transition. Father, it's been an honor to be here for 10 years. God, nothing that I start do I ever want to end. You are a progressive God. You are a God that's alive and well. You're strategic. You have plans. And I believe that there's a plan in this that we can't see yet. I thank you for every deacon. I thank you for every leader. I thank you for every volunteer. I thank you for every tither. I thank you for every giver. I thank you for every attendee. I thank you, Lord, for the people that are here today standing in solidarity saying, this is my church. Father, I pray next Sunday morning everyone that's here will be here again and even more and that this transition won't hurt us, it will only help us. That this ministry won't go backwards, it will go forward. That the anointing that's here will not decrease, it will only increase. That community will not be divided, but will only become more strong. God, I'm praying a great awakening. I'm praying a Pentecostal movement, an Acts chapter 2, a suddenly experience. I'm praying, Lord, that you are beginning to do and manifest and work in ways that I have seen in the Spirit for years, Lord. I come against confusion, Lord. I pray that everyone here will be respectful and submissive to leadership, not rebellious. I pray that there won't be trickery that comes up because now that the, the pastor, the original pastor of the church is gone, that now there'll be trickery and manipulation and jealousy. And I, I just pray killing that spirit in the name of Jesus. God, I pray people will believe in this new leadership just like they believed in me. I pray that they won't look for the negative. They won't leave saying, oh, it wasn't like Pastor Ray was. Don't you miss Pastor Ray? But they'll find the good. And they'll say, man, I got something. I pray there'll be gleaners here. Gleaners. People that'll glean from the service in the name of Jesus. We stand in solidarity. We stand as one people. And we pray that this ministry will go forth. I declare the blessings of Abraham. I declare the promises of the word of God. That no weapon formed against this ministry shall prosper. I pray greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I pray that we will do all things 
and accomplish it through Christ Jesus. Lord God, have your way in this ministry and on these people and in this city for the glory of your name in Jesus' name. And we the people agree and say, yes, pastor, we support you. We support the mission. We support the vision. We support what you're doing. We support Pastor James and Alvin. And we say yes and amen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! It's a new season. Let's sing this together. It's a new day. A fresh anointing. Yes, Lord. It's coming our way. It's a season of power and prosperity.